Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're tonight's entertainment. Look at my butt. Now look at my front butt. Creep films, 
were really good and they rethought that character. Okay, into becoming a trainer, into becoming uh, a mentor, and that sort of thing. Here, from what I understand, there's there's no movement at all that way. There's no, uh, and it's just a, you know, him killing Mexicans, which you know I'm sure you're thrilled with. You know. No, it isn't that. It's just that even. If he was my show last night, you heard it, which you wasn't because you were busy. Even El Chicano, the the, Latin, the Latino, which means Mexican-American, ripoff, Punisher riff, even has the cartel as villains. I mean, mm-hmm. really try to think of many Mexican films that don't have the cartel as villains. That's came out since the 90s. Nice. Desperado, cartel. Machete, yeah. cartel. Once upon mm-hmm. time in Mexico, guess what? And but even the more, not- uh, even even things like um, uh, Sicario and, 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 and that, which are more prestige pictures. Cartel. Yeah, but that ain't the news today. The news is the filmmakers dropped one final trailer today for Rambo Last Blood. And Mm -hmm. you know how we love our stupid ad campaigns? Oh, yeah. So with watching the new trailer, if you don't like Rambo Last Blood, you're a no-good, commie, anti-American piece of shit. Yep. you What's seen the, the trailer then? No, I haven't seen it yet. I have not seen That's it yet. That's the exact sentiments. They don't use piece of shit, but they say, you're a commie, anti-American, anti Everything that's good and worth about America, if you don't go and like Rambo Last Blood. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's good one of those, God. like, die, die. So, so the one thing is, since we're talking about the uh, box office, you haven't said what I consider the most surprising thing this weekend. Oh, what do you mean, Donington Abbey being number one? Yeah, exactly. That's not frightening. It's the last episode of one of the the second most beloved series on BBC America, next to Doctor Who. Well, I, I just found it really interesting. To me, it went under the radar. I didn't even know it was opening. I didn't see any ad campaigns. I didn't see anything. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I, I read today that it's number one film. It's like, what? This is when fans go. This is when fan love goes right. Okay, explain. Don, like I said, Donington Abbey is the second most popular show of the past decade on BBC America and on BBC next to Doctor Who and then Sherlock's number three. 
This mm-hmm. is the last episode of the series. This isn't a follow-up. This isn't one of those, they finish up the series, so they're going to do a movie to cash in thing. This is the actual end of the series. So you're going to have all of the fans come and see this. Mm-hmm. This movie was one inch from being a phantom event, but then they found the groundswell of it enough where they were going to risk it, and it's paid off. Well, the company that released it, I, I'm not sure who it was, but I read Focus that picture. this is, this. okay, so it's focused, it's their biggest opening ever. Ever. Yeah. I, I'm 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 surprised. I mean, not so much that that uh, uh, that Abby has all all these fans. I know that, but to me, that they made a film, they released it with no fanfare, and it made that much money. That just shows you what the fan base is. That's what surprises me. Is well, here's no another fan, fan base thing. Uh, as you know, uh, Three from Hell, the Devil's Reject sequel, was released for three days. Mm-hmm. And only one showing a day. Okay. It made over $1 million. Wow, nice. So Lionsgate, in anticipation, is rolling it out for... One more day next month in the theater. So if you missed it before, and what's scary about Three from Hell is the fucking reviews it's getting. <laughs> you know what? With the exception of uh, the second film in the Firefly thing, he hasn't had great reviews. His Halloween yeah. movies didn't get great reviews. And yet, you take a look at his films, whether you like them or not, you got to admit, that's a singular person behind it. Yeah. And and all those films have his mark on them. No question. I gave him that. He's an auteur. No question. Well, the, his two most successful films in the theater so far, uh, well, besides Halloween, but that one's success on his is. Of his own original ideas, which is The Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell, there's 70 road pictures with real people in them. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go over the top like he does in a lot of his films. That's what killed 31 is it went over the top. Well, be interesting. My, my biggest complaint with him is that I, I do feel that unfortunately Sherry Moon Zombie is is the weak link or in the case of Halloween who he casts as Laurie Strode. His his main female characters to me seem on the weak side. Not that they're not they don't fight or that. I'm ch- talking yeah. about writing one. Well, the biggest problem I had with the Halloween remake was the word motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Everybody in that movie 
even Lori Strode's nice middle class parent uh-huh. used the word motherfucker like I use the word the, and I like to use the word mother. Quite a bit. <laughs> but yeah, that's doing good, and we still got Joker coming out next week. But that's not the movie I'm looking forward to this much this October. And how did this documentary flip out as much as people want to shit on Trump? I would thought that the Trumpaters would have a hard on to see this documentary. Well, I tell you what, it's playing at the film forum, and I'm very, very tempted. To go this week. It's it's still and playing. what's it called is uh, who are you? Isn't it who are you, Roy Cohn? No, no, no. It's where is my Roy Cohn? Where is my Roy Cohn? Roy Cohn is the title. Of it. And if now, you know who Roy Cohn is, well, that's, beyond just that's that, exactly he was an asshole. Go, well, what? let me let me talk about Roy okay. Cohn, okay, so people know. Now this is a big big thing with me. I I. I Follow this. So Roy Cohn made his name during uh, the McCarthy era, and uh, he was the uh, lawyer who prosecuted uh, the Rosenbergs. He also helped uh, McCarthy, um, and so you have that. And then, of course, he was also later in his life uh, uh, he he prosecuted a number of things, but he befriended our current president. And in many ways, Cohn's uh, uh, idea of how to approach and to to litigate, 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 uh, 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 deflect, and and lie, which is what he was so good at, uh, has been picked up by our current president. And so... So if you look at it also, you've got to realize that Cohn uh, was a gay man who hated gays, and he was a self-hating Jew. Uh, And, man, you talk about the anger and rile and and hatred that he had. Um, And if you want a good take that you may be able to find on Amazon Prime or somewhere, uh, HBO years ago did a film called Citizen Cohn. With James Woods as Cone, and I would recommend that as a real primer to what he did and 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 how he was. Uh, but this is a documentary, uh, and it's supposed to be really, really good. So I'm kicking it back to you, Stephen. And that's where the title comes from, isn't it? Where is my Roy yeah. Cone? Because he was a gay man who had who was host of a lot of zipper parties and there's pictures of him at zipper parties and I don't I don't know about that. I mean I haven't seen those. So I can't confirm that. Well I look well it's in the promotion for this movie. They show pictures of him there okay, surrounded well, well, by you know mm-hmm. and he but, hated but gays and he prosecuted gays to death. Oh yeah. Uh, and also, is, like, yeah, okay, go ahead. Let me tell you why they named it that way. Why did they name it Where Is My Roy Cone? 
Do you know? Well, I think it's because he was these two things, and he hated those two things. So where was the real Roy Cohn? You know, where was my Roy Cohn? So you missed the point. Where is my Roy Cohn? Yeah. Who said that? I don't know who. Trump. Oh. That was a that was a when they when he was uh, uh, Trump's lawyer. Whenever Trump got got into a, a a a row or something like that, or he needed litigation, that's the first thing he said. Where's my Roy Cohn? Okay, but it fits my okay. version too. Mhm. Well, mine's correct. I did the research. Yeah. <laughs> I think both I think both of us are correct. But and the thing is that Trump was a nobody. He was just another rich boy piece of shit until as the gangster said, you were nobody until somebody who was somebody introduced you as quote Goodfellow. He's a friend of ours. Right. So Cohen was and the that, guy who was went to Trump, Trump and all the people in power say, "This is Donald Trump. He's a friend of ours." Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Cohen wielded an unimaginable uh, amount of power in, uh, in the uh, paparazzi. Well, not the paparazzi, but in high society, and and uh, he was. The definition as of a pit bull when 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 you hired him as a lawyer, because yeah. he was he didn't care about ethics, and, and 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 this is what he taught. This is anyone that was his that that he was mentor to, and certainly this is true of Trump. Uh, he uh, uh, you couldn't but help but have that rub off on you how he acted and what he did. And that's what this movie is all about. Yeah. Well, good God, Carol. How much power do you have to have where you can throw gay sex parties in Studio 54 and have gay sex with pretty much the prominent people of New York City and not a goddamn one of them in the gossipy 70s? Including Truman, I'm going to expose all y'all motherfuckers. Capote. Yeah. Didn't even say shit about him. Mm -hmm. That's power. Well, I tell you what, Capote hated him. That much. Nobody wouldn't rat him out either. (laughs) Well, there's probably reasons for that. Yeah. One of them being it's Roy fucking Cohn. Seriously, I'm not joking. And the sad thing is, including the film Forum, mm-hmm. that's kind of funny because what's the first uh, four letters in Forum? What did that word did they spell? Four. That's how many fucking right. theaters the entire United States is playing. Mm-hmm. Four. Only four. Do you have do you have a uh, per per uh, 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 average on that per screen? By any no. Means? No. I'm gonna I'm gonna just look at something, okay? I just okay. want to make sure of something here. Um. But yeah. 
Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Uh, what's going on with that? And it's certain. It is definitely something that uh, I I well, need to see. Yeah. And the last question before we move on is. Can you imagine how dangerous Trump would have been if Cohen was still alive in his prime today? Oh, yeah. Seriously. (laughs) But, yeah. This is the start of Halloween month and Knoxville Horror Film Festival month. This is their first festival in all of their... 11, 10 years in actually formally throwing the festival, Carl, that they didn't have to do a GoFundMe. Nice. And they're selling their uh, deluxe tickets for 200 bucks. That's the whole weekend, parties, everything, for 200 bucks, And the early bird tickets are all sold out. Nice. So if you want to go, and they got some great films showing there this year, you better go and get your damn tickets. Cause yep. they're vanishing. Well, that's I'm really lucky cool. I'm pressed. I kiss that word every day. I write it on the paper, put it on a wall, and put like flowers and glitter around it and hearts and kiss it. That word. <laughs> Uh, let me guess. Press pass. Yeah, press. Yeah, press. Oh, yes, I love. It. But that's <laughs> the thing. The thing is, is that they're doing something on Thursday to open the fest, and they're everyone else is like, "Wow, you got uh, the CM Punk movie, The Girl on the Third Floor. Wow, you got VHW, you got Bliss, you got." Add-on isn't real. And me and Carl. Holy shit, Carl. What? (laughs) Tell me about it. Yep, Girdler Fest. Where did you first... Now, do people even know who he is? That's a good question. Where did you first run into William Girdler's work, Carl? Uh, It would have to be the drive-in and... And and it would have to be, um, yeah, it was definitely Grizzly. Yeah, me too. It was my local channel, and they showed it on Saturday afternoon, Grizzly. And I was Mm -hmm. like, damn, watching that thing. Yep. I tuned in right at the scene with uh, the Grizzly and the little boy. Nice. But who William Girdler was, he was a filmmaker that was born in Louisville, Kentucky, and lived there until he, well, he lived there and made movies until he was in his early 20s. He did some pickup work for uh, the guy, our our hero from Nashville, who did uh, the Estes T. Perkle films, Ron Ormond. And that's when he decided to make his own movie out of Louisville, and that would be our first film tonight, Asylum of Satan. 
okay. a weird little movie about a woman who gets put in a mental asylum, and they never say why. Right. But then things get screwy real quick. Yep. I didn't see this till the Something Weird DVD come out. What about you, Carl? Yeah, same here. I did not see this until Something Weird. Um, but it's it's a wonderful film. What? It's a wonderful film. Yeah. If you get a chance to see it, you should. It's one of the oddest haunted house slash Satanist slash Rosemary's Baby slash Carl took LSD and is trying to describe me what a horror film he seen was. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 exactly. It, it's pretty fucked up, to say the least. Yeah. And it's wonderful, it's like there's too. this one zombie creature that runs around chasing a girl around the movie for no fucking reason. Yep. And because it's so low budget, they use rubber spiders and snakes, which even makes that scene surreal. The scene where a woman gets killed by rubber spiders in a room full of dry ice smoke is so goddamn surreal. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Even even this film, which was done on a really low budget, you can tell that visually the guy knows what he's doing. Yeah. Seriously. There's no question of that. I mean, yeah, the spider scene looks good. Even the rubber snake scene doesn't oh, look yeah. as bad as you would think. No, not at all. Even though one of the snakes is crawling, lying upside down on his back, not his belly. And yep. <laughs> well, yeah, this is, you could see a lot of, promise in this movie and it's good but the problem is it's hard to see nowadays (laughs) and if you want to get the something weird DVD of it you got to be prepared to pay about 50 bucks yep I'm one of those few people that got that I got it yeah this is one of the first something weird DVDs to go out of print along with blood freak only Blood Freak didn't really jump in the price until weirdos like us really started trumpeting it as, well, you know, the Blood Freak movement, where it's like, you got to watch this. <laughs> you, you know what? I'd, I'd like to think that I'm the reason for that, okay? No, I know I'm not, okay? But, but I've been trumpeting that film ever since I saw it on the drive-in in 1973 or 72. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, from there, he started getting work from Ormond and a lot of the filmmakers. And then a certain movie came out in about 1973-74. And that would be the one and only Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So, when Gertner... When when Girdler, they 
went to him and said, we want to make us a Texas Chainsaw Massacre ripoff film. Girdler decided to go more towards the Ed Gein part of it than the Texas right. Chainsaw Massacre part of it. And we've got a film that's nowadays talked about more than people have seen it. Wouldn't you say, Carl? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And that would be the one about pretty girls dancing for the Reaper as they're prepared to die in their last breath. Three. On a yep. That may be one of the most fun and most pretentious fucking trailers ever. Uh, true. How pretentious Very is that true. fucking trailer guy who reads the lines <laughs> for that? <laughs> yep. It's about a boy who, when he's a kid, his father drags him in when he's coming home and tells him that he kills his mother. He killed his mother, so we believe it. And now he's 20 and horny, so he's going to town looking for booty. And every time he brings a girl home, the girls mysteriously get murdered. Yep. It's good stuff. Again, one of one of the things about him that I really like is there is this wit involved. You know, uh, you know, it's it's not just you know a, a slasher film. There's humor in it. There's there's other things that keep you in, in you know intrigued. And we're not saying it's a good movie. He's still learning his craft at this point. But it's fun. I like this movie a lot better than most people. So, you know, keep that in mind. I like it, too. The only problem is any print that you can track down to see nowadays is grainier than a bag of minute rice. Oh, yeah. The one I got is pretty goddamn good, and the grain is like the size of hail balls. Yep. And it has one of the best decapitations of the 70s. Oh, yeah. Because of the way, yeah, you know. I know exactly where you're going with this. Going, yeah. It's just the sheer fact that they laid her on a board and stuck her head through a hole and just have her laying there with her head up on the blade there, and she's just blinking, and it just looks damn good. Yep. And I'm not going to spoil the ending, but it's one of the few endings where I was sitting there watching it. Thank God I was alone. And the ending happens out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. One of the loudest, most heartfelt, what the fuck? (laughs) And then they have five minutes explaining the ending. And I still say, what the fuck? <laughs> what I, the think fuck the per- I, I think the ending is perfect because he was looking for that reaction. I know he was looking for that reaction. You know, he wrote that. 
And I'll tell you something else that you may not know about Three on a Meatwork. Guess who wrote the music? Who? William Girdler. <laughs> the music is good. He never had bad music in his movies. He did. He That's did three of his own he... films. Yeah. He wrote the music for three of his films. But that damn guitar in Asylum of Satan with that wow, wow. Yep. Jesus, that sounded good. Oh, yeah. And that was his score, too. Yeah. Even in Asylum of Satan, he has a what the twist during the last 15 minutes. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, we didn't mention that Girdler said, and most, and almost everybody else goes, oh, bullshit, William. Come on, William. That the costume used in the ritual at the last of the movie is the same costume that was used in Rosemary's Baby. And Anton LaVey was a consultant on the ritual used in the film. Yep. And even Anton LaVey goes, uh, no, 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 man. No, I wasn't part of this. <laughs> no. And Anton would take credit for anything. If anyone wanted to give him credit, he'd be like, hey, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> but not a silent with Satan. I love it, though. Yeah. And Three on the Meat Hook, you can see it on YouTube, but don't complain because there is no such thing as a good print of Three on the Meat Meat Hook. hook. No, there's not. You know, you could try. Isn't his most least seen film the next one he did? The first one that he did for AIP? Uh, either that or the Leslie Nielsen one. No, that it's a was talk- a sort of a sequel to... No, yeah, yeah, I bite. What happened was, is after Three on the Meat Hook, it did good for AIP in the drive-ins. So they hired him, they say... Okay, there's this movie out there that's a big hit. It's about a girl in Georgetown who vomited and stuck a cross up her naughty bed and all that. And that would be The Exorcist. So everyone was first to bring one to bring out their Exorcist ripoffs. But at that time, if you remember, uh. Nicholson was trying to create his old Black Boy Station Monster Universe. Mm -hmm. Remember, he only got two of the films, well, three of the films out before that whole thing imploded. It was uh, Blackula and its sequel. Right. Blackenstein. Right. And Abby. Right. Let's be clear. Now, actually, Super Killer comes before Abby. You like... know that. Yeah. I was just going to say that Super Killer comes before Abby, so. Okay, I don't okay, know. we'll do that then. 
Well, the the story was is that there was these series of killings done by black men in Los Angeles, which was called the zebra killings. You would think with a thing like that there would be a racial connotation, wouldn't you? You would think so. Not, but not, what they well, came well, from... Certainly. Go ahead, Carl. Well, what I was going to say is certainly in the real sense, they, they, they preyed upon white uh, victims uh, and, and that sort of thing. So there is uh, a, a sense that there was racial things within these killings. Yeah. Okay. Uh, however, the movie that that is finally based on, uh, supposedly based on this, really has nothing to do with that, and we'll get to that in a moment. But where the where the zebra killings name came from is that it was bad. There were like thirty or forty murders done by this gang before they called them, and to help the the cops who were assigned to it. They designated their own channel, which was called Z. And so the cops decided to call Z Zebra, in case people knew, you know, right. the code. So we got the Zebra Killers. And this, mm-hmm. there is a fine history of this. There is Scorpio from Dirty Harry, which was based on, Carl? Uh, That would be the Zodiac Killer. Yeah, the Zodiac Killer. And then there was uh, the Zodiac Killer, which was just a cash-in. Yep. And there was uh, Don't Answer the Phone, which was based on the Hillside Stranglers, but they screwed up when they realized Oh my! It was going. The movie is going to be called The Hillside Strangler because honestly, why wouldn't you think there was only one? True. And then but there it turned wasn't. out to be two, so they had to change the title. Right. But the connection is, is they barely had anything to do with the real cases, otherwise, other than they just took bare strands of it. Like the Zurich zebra killer is the most tenuous. The connection is is there's someone shooting people in L.A. Right, and of course the actual the actual uh, uh, zebra killers were were uh, in uh, San Francisco. Yeah, but they tra- and extreme. But the whole thing about it is is Black Panthers. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And since I haven't got didn't get the chance to see the movie and Carl has, Val, take over. Let me get the spotlight shined. Okay. Take it That's away, Carl. That's fine. We could do. Okay. So the the main thing about this movie is first you 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 have the the the, the lead actor who who is really good. Ten, uh, we were talking about it. Who was that again? I don't have, have the movie in Stroker. front of me. Austin okay, Stoker. Austin, who's, who, who also was in uh, Assault on Precinct 13, John yeah. Carpenter's first, you know, um, 
second film. And just absolutely great in it. But the setup with the Zebra Killer is that in this case, now, of course, we have Justin uh, uh, Trudeau getting in all this trouble because of blackface and brownface and that sort of thing. Well, in this case, they decided to make it a black killer in whiteface killing other blacks. Okay, wrap your head around that for a moment. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying that 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 was a little weird to say the least, and 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 it's such an odd duck of a movie, it really is. Um, and I like it. I like it. Uh, again, one of the things that does happen here is you can start to see him getting some chops in an action. Uh, um. Uh, his action chops because there's a couple of nice chases, things like that. And, and again, Austin Stoker's just, he's awesome. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, but if you think that you're going to find something that makes a lot of sense, uh, not exactly. But are you going to have a good time while you watch it? Yeah, you are. Yeah. There's no and question about that. And if you look that. at the trailer, you won't find Dick mention one or any shot that would let you know that this is a black guy in white face. No, not at all. Which is pretty much the reason why it's almost impossible to see and never came out on DVD. <laughs> but it is out on DVD because I have it. Didn't come out it's on Blu-ray, a, but it's it didn't come out on company. DVD. What? Is it a major company or a public domain company? No, it's a major company. Major company. What title did they use? Uh, The Zebra Killer. The reason I ask is that there were three titles for this movie. Yep, there certainly were. Zebra Killer, Combat Cops, which makes no fucking sense. And what was yep. the third title? Uh, something like the Get In or something like that. Yeah, the Get In. The Slide In. No, I think it's the Get In. It's definitely Get. G-E-T. Yeah, the Get In. What do you get in? You get in when you pay your money to watch the movie. That's <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 a really weird little film. Um, and, and it's, the reason I got it was A, it was Girdler, B, it was Austin Stoker, and C, it just seems so odd and weird that I had to have it. Sometimes I like that. I love movies that are, you know, the bastard stepchildren, the ones that nobody likes, that needs, you know, some TLC. And, and so, you know, this is an interesting film. One of the things I will say about Girdler, I don't care what movie you see of his, it ain't boring. No. <laughs> it ain't boring. Not by a long shot. And next up is the one and the only Abby. This is a film that definitely is more talked about than it seems. Because if you see it, it truly is 
his second most boring film. I disagree. I have seen it. Yeah, I've okay. seen it too. You know, uh, I'm not and, saying and it's I, not insane. I'm just saying that compared to the outright insanity of the rest of his stuff. Well, like you know what? You have fucking, you've got William Marshall, you know, and William Marshall is William Marshall in this. It's wonderful. Leave this you know, woman, I, buddy. I love the fact that <laughs> he gets the ass. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I love it. Woman, what? Well, all I was going to say is I love him, and I'll tell you what, Carol Speed's pretty good in this, too. Oh, God, yeah. This movie would have made her if he'd gotten out. Yeah. Well, it did get out for two weeks before you know what yeah. happened, and I'll let you tell that story. Okay. But, like I said, I still love the fact that when he's saying one of those dramatic lines, William Girdler, for, I mean... William Marshall. Marshall forgot the S instead of leave this woman's body. It goes, leave this woman's body. It's like, what? <laughs> I love it, though. But what happens I love is Abby and Great White are legal precedents because they are the only two movies sued out of of theatrical distribution and existence because of copyright. Yeah. A judge yep. ruled that the script for Abby was too close to the exorcist, which I call mm-hmm. bullshit because you never had Linda Blair fuck her mom's boyfriend or as in the movie her husband's best friend in the back seat of a car yeah which is a funny scene I want to screw you right now but what about your husband my friend screw that creep <laughs> okay <laughs> again the humor you know, you know, and we'll get. There's more and more about the humor and and that sort of thing, and the over the topness, but but they're just, you know, you call this boring. I disagree. I think this is. I said I second most boring. Okay. Well, I I disagree, but that's okay. Okay. Because I don't think any it's of them are. It's still fun. It's on YouTube. Watch it if you're an exploitation fan. You're gonna love this. Because mm-hmm. this truly is one of the best. And this is the main reason why, honestly, Warner Brothers sued it. Because it was the number one movie at the box office the first week it was out. Absolutely. So Warner Brothers was like, hey, only us should make money. Right. And that was the whole point. Yeah. You know, they... Uh-uh. Never mind. No, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was just gonna say it's like like uh, the Tucker automobile or something like that. You know, someone comes up with a good idea, and, and suddenly you know the copyright or however they have to squash it, they squash it. Yeah. And it's a shame. It's like and if you, you wanna... did a good idea on your show and start making money off of it. I walk up to you and say, oh, Carl, 
You did that bit on my show two years ago. So give me all the money. <laughs> and I wouldn't even have yeah. to prove or show that you did it. I would just say, oh, we were working on this two years ago. Yeah. It ain't that easy nowadays, but it was back then. Oh, absolutely. And next uh, is his most boring film. And you would think that a movie with Eartha Kitt, Yasek Koto, Pamela Greer, Ted Lang as a pimp, yes, Isaac the bartender as a pimp, would not be boring. But, oh, my God, Sheba Baby is so fucking boring. It's, and you it's know she might me on this one. I, I'm not. I'm not. Of all of the Pam Greer 70s films that we talk about in her flashportation, you know, uh, uh, pyramid, this is the least of them. There's no doubt. And, and it's unfortunate because there's so much potential with this. But I think part of it is that, that you know, she's a private detective, high class, and, and that's not Pam. You know? And guess who else is in this, too? You forget. Who? who? Austin Stoker. Oh, yeah. Rip. Durbell Martin. Yeah, he used him a lot because, remember, Austin Stoker was in Abbey, too. Yeah, I know. I know. He loved He loved Austin. Um. Yep. Yep, but this one this one just doesn't make it. I mean there's there's some good there's some good sequences in it. Yeah. But just doesn't make it. Do you remember what it was supposed to be before they changed it to Sheba Baby because the original director left? Right. It was gonna be wasn't it Freddie Foster two? No. Or was it a Foxy Brown 2 or oh, Coffee Foxy 3. Okay, gotcha. But then as soon as they said, we're going to make her a high-class pirate eye out of Washington, D.C., uh, Jack Hillman. Yeah. 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 Why don't you just say the perfect? No, 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 I'll fuck you. <laughs> you know, no, 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 I'm gone. Yeah. Yep. And now we're at his most popular, well, one of his last three which we are at are his three most popular. No, you're forgetting one which we both don't know, unfortunately. What? Project Kill. That's the one with uh, with uh, Leslie Nielsen and Gary well, Lockwood. Well, we don't and know Nancy that Kwan. one, and I've, everything I looked up said it sucks, but so for me... Since we uh, haven't seen it, me. it don't exist. We're okay, right well, now, you know what? We're it just, doesn't exist. It, we can't talk about it. But yeah. how can it suck when it has Vic Diaz in it? Fuck you. <laughs> it, okay, I'm just saying. True, okay. Okay, thank you. But, yeah, now, right. but really, minus the one we haven't seen, we're at his top 
three most popular films, and two out of the three of them are the two that are scheduled to show at the Knoxville Horror Fest. The third right. film, the, their secret showing, it fell through due to print issues. Mm-hmm. You might be able to guess which one that is. We're not allowed to say. Yeah. And it don't exist. Yeah. You know. But this one has always been very beloved, a big DVD seller, and pretty much, and bizarrely had its own sequel, which is not that good, but if you want to see George Clooney and Charlie Sheen get eaten by a bear, this is your movie. Oh, this is wonderful. Uh no, Grizzly Two. So, I'm talking Grizzly Two. It's okay. not even a yeah, complete would, movie. All right. So, so anyway, this one though. Yeah, uh, Grizzly. So, so Jaws came out, and everyone wanted to do a take on Jaws, and of course, there's some really good Jaws quotation, Piranha, you know, and then there's some really bad ones like Tintatera. But Girdler Fuck you. decides, okay. We want we want a Jaws movie. How about a different set of Jaws? That's yeah. how we got Grizzly. And before we say anything, any movie with fucking Jorge Garcia and Hugo Stiglitz in the Battle of the Bolding Crotches is not a bad movie. <laughs> but yeah, really. <laughs> There's only two films that universal, pretty much any time a Jaws ripoff came around, they showed it to uh, Universal Spielberg. And there's only two of them. He said, "Nah, don't bother with it because they're good." And mm-hmm. one would be Piranha, and Grizzly would be the other one because it is Jaws, but Damn, this is a unique film. And Austin Stoker <laughs> is in this one. Yes, he is. He's only in a cameo as a ambulance driver who takes away, I think, the girl who gets her booty bit off by the bear. Right, exactly. But, yeah, this is y'all sitting in the woods. And God, if you can get the uncut print that's on DVD, oh my God, is this a brutal fucking film. Of course, of course, the theatrical cut that I saw was the PG cut. I've never seen the uncut. Oh, let's just uncut. say for that little boy scene where the little boy gets attacked by the bear. You told me about this. This is yes, going to make you cry that they cut this out. They hired uh-huh. a little boy that was hanging around the set, and guess what was special about him? What? He only had one arm. Oh, cool. Yeah, so in the uncut version, you got to see that boy's arm ripped off, and you got to see all this meat and nastiness. And he could roll around and let the blood squirt in the air and just... Have fun with it. 
Yep. And what and what's his name's death? Uh, one of the other two that's in there that's not the guy that you don't like from Pieces. His death uh, is held no, that would be people. that would be Richard Jekyll. You're talking yeah, about Richard, Richard Jekyll's death. Oh, so you could yeah. tell that Richard Jekyll's death was cut a lot in the PG version? Oh, absolutely. I know it was. Oh, God, yeah. In the uncut print, it shows like his chest just just cut the fuck open and his legs, too, when he wakes up. Yep. This one, you might not think it'd be good, but this is fucking good. This is no, the best serious Jaws ripoff. Right, and then you can say Piranha is the best satirical one. I'll I'll give you that. Yeah. In a heartbeat. I'll give you that. But yeah, this one's just damn good. Even in its PG version, it's damn good. Oh yeah, absolutely. And did you know that he made a sequel to Grizzly? It didn't even have well, a name on it, but that's what it was intended to be. Right. Absolutely. And that is, there is something out there. Yep. And they're all big. And they're all animals. No, really, that was one of the alternate titles for it, Carl. There is something oh, okay. out there. The trailer's creepy oh, cool. as hell. It shows like the door keeps getting knocked in, and then the door gets kicked in. It says, there is something out there, and it's coming for you. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I was listening to the commentary on the trailer comp that I knew that it was freaking Day of the Animals. This movie is more known and loved nowadays for a stupid screw, a stupid scene because Leslie Nielsen's gone comedy rather than any seriousness about it. And I got to admit, that scene is funnier than hell. Well, you know, you know, something I want to talk about with this film, it's not, Grizzly, okay, let's talk, let's step back for a second. Grizzly was extremely financially did extremely well, okay, and so they came up with this this idea, Day of the Animals. Listen to this cast, okay. So this is Day of the Animals: Christopher George, Leslie Nielsen, Linda Day George, Richard Jekyll, Michael and Sarah, Ruth Roman of the Baby, Paul Mantee. Andrew Stevens. Holy shit. Really, really good cast. And and, and of course lots of animals. I know, and that's the problem. That's the problem. You know, there's animal attacks and, and, and they're not fleshed out. The script is not good. It's still it's still a a, a decent film. You know, it's and not it a great film. It has famous scene in it, which, when it was a serious film, it was just a bad scene. Uh-huh. 
But now... Well, with Leslie Nielsen going com- went comedy, how are you going to take seriously any scene that involves a bear-shirted Leslie Nielsen fighting a grizzly bear? And punching it in the nose. Seriously. Not yeah. joking. And, and I got one one little bit of uh, trivia about this movie. Do you know who the the girl at the beginning of this film is that that is killed? No, who? Okay, her name is Susan Blackliney. She was the first woman who was killed in Jaws. Oh, the the little shot girl, that young swimmer, yeah. So she gets killed first in two movies. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I I think that's pretty cool. But this movie doesn't even have an ending. No, it doesn't. Here is the here is the first three minutes. Oh my God! The animals are killing us. Kill them! Here's the ending. Hey man, we gotta go. What? Yeah man, we gotta go. Sorry for this killing shit, man. Can you forgive us? The fuck? Okay, man. Bye. <laughs> He's not kidding. That's exactly how it ends. Without the uh, voices coming from the animals. Yeah. yeah. The voices, hell, that'd make it great. We'd be probably be talking about it today. Like, oh, my God, the animals are talking to that. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a big box office hit. Didn't do as well as, as Grizzly, but it did. It, it, it certainly did well. Well, it came at the end of the animal attack thing. People were getting uh, burned out on them. Mm-hmm. Which I really don't blame You know, I mean, look at all that. We had tarantulas, spiders, wasps, VW bugs. <laughs> yep. And uh, Leslie Nielsen had enjoyed working with Girdler so much. I don't know any of his actors who ever had a bad story about working with Girdler. Oh, no. No. People loved him. People loved him. Uh, Michael Ancero is in two or three films, and we'll get to... uh, There's only one more film that he directed, and then we'll talk about what happened to him afterwards. But, man... People loved him. No question. Would you think that a director, Carl, would go from an AIP film about killer animals to a studio film with someone who was coast, was an A-lister because of his work on the Agatha Christie films and a few other films that he did in the 70s? Well, if you're talking about the lead actor who we'll get to, 
I don't remember him doing any Agatha Christie. It was I forget which one it was. No, 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 no. Go back to the defiant ones. Go back to some like it hot. Yeah. If you're talking about the type of films that the lead actor did. What I mean is that was still giving him an A-list bump in the 70s. He had a few Not really. He, he, I mean, he he was definitely on the downslide at that point. Okay, if yeah. for those people who are listening, we're talking Tony Curtis, okay? Yeah. And, and I'm trying to get to his ID. So, so if you talk about the 70s, and he worked until the, well into the 2000s. So, I mean, he was still busy. Um, but if you start, okay, so Manitou is 78. Uh, you talk about the, pers- he was on The Persuaders, which is a TV show. Uh, he did Lepke. He did The Last Tycoon, Sextet. The Bad News Bears Go to Japan. But no, he, he was not, he didn't do any anything um, like that. Like what you were saying, but Lepke but the persuaders was a big thing for him on TV. He did that. Yeah, Lepke should have been a better fucking film than it was. I like Lepke. I've always liked Lepke. I don't think it's a great film, but I I still like it. Yeah, I didn't say it was bad. I said it should have been better, and I yeah. happen to agree with you. And you have and you have special effects from John Dykstra, right after he had come off doing two little films called uh, uh, and they're Carl's two favorite science fiction films of the seventies. Okay. Star Wars. Yep. And Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And I think I'm going to strangle my co-host now, particularly yeah. for closing counties. But yeah, John Dykstra had come off of those two big, big movies to do the effects for the Manitou. Who? And Graham Masterson was a well. And the Manitou was his first book, and it was a big seller. They were grooming him to be the next Stephen King, if you know what I mean. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so he was at an airport and bought, uh, Gerler bought, bought the the uh, book and fell in love with it, read it in one sitting and contacted uh, Masterson. And so they decided to make a movie of it. Now, I'm going to take it from here for a couple minutes. First off, what do you think of this cast? Okay, so we talked about Tony Curtis, Michael and Sarah, Susan Strasberg, Sally Stevens, Anne Southern, Burgess Meredith, Paul Mantee, Jeanette Nolan, and various other people. I mean, the cast is just just stacked. But what's even more interesting is the plot. So uh, Susan next? Strasberg. <laughs> yeah, we're getting there. Susan Strasberg is Tony Curtis's ex-girlfriend, and she develops a tumor on her neck, which they find out. Uh, say it because, right. 
Well, well, well. Okay, Tony Curtis is a fake, fake psychic, and, <clears throat> and uh, basically they find out that it's the fetus of a dead uh, Indian medicine man who's evil. And so they, they, so Tony Curtis, after he, you know, one of his uh, um, customers dies and, and, and spits fire at him and shit like that, uh, goes and uh, 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 gets Aunt Sarah, who is John singing rock, and brings him in to fight the evil uh, uh, medicine man spirit. And the Manitou, when you talk about what a Manitou is, it is the spirit of living beings, and in this case, computers, and electric lights, and a hospital that freezes over into hell. And then suddenly you get John Dykstra doing like uh, a 2001, you know, light show on acid, all the while while Tony Curtis is overacting his fucking ass off, and, 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 and Burgess Meredith has this cameo that to this day is one of the funniest fucking things I've ever seen. I adore this movie. I love it to death. There's nothing, nothing like this movie. And it is beautiful. And it is wonderful. And you've got to go see it. And especially if you're down in Knoxville, I want that fear filled for this. Yeah. There you go. And don't forget, at the end of the movie, why did you want a pack of Marlboros? I thought you people would take a pack of regular chewing tobacco. I don't chew. Marlboros, my brand. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I cannot. I saw this on HBO, and it was late at night, and I was in college. And my mouth dropped to the floor. Literally dropped to the floor. I could not, for the life of me, believe I was seeing this movie. It is that wild. And it is I mean, really. You you will hear us, and we didn't talk about it much. Let's talk about it right now, and now it's brought up. The flavor of Girdler. It's hard to really explain. You try it first, and then I'll add on to it. Well, what it is is that he would take your normal stuff and keep the scary stuff scary, but he would always bring a level of silliness to it to let you know that. Okay, go ahead. Finish up. I'm sorry. To let you know just to have fun, you know. You know, I don't know if I would call it silliness as I would that he had this knack of letting his actors go over the top, but just stop them before it got bad. And there is a sense of, of, of energy because of that behind these films. You know, we talk about Christopher George, and, and he's in two of his films. And I don't consider Christopher George a good actor at all. <clears throat> and I will tell you this. Those two movies, including Day of the Animals, the two best things he ever did. 
That's because he had Girdler as a director. I guarantee you that's the case. Because Girdler let his, his, his actors have energy and yeah. knew when to stop them. And ironic, I can't see any director but Girdler make Grizzly as dark as it was. Oh, it was definitely dark. Yeah, don't fall don't fall in love with these characters, guys, because Girdler isn't one to. Yeah, yeah, he's gonna basically he was uh, Joss Whedon before Joss Whedon. Yeah. <laughs> no. But but I I want to go I want to first talk about this so people really get an idea of the storyline. This is from IMDb, and this is the Manitou. Uh, Karen Tandy enters a San Francisco hospital suffering from a tumor growing in her neck. Surprise doctors think it's a living creature. A fetus born inside the tumor. Fortune teller Harry Erskine dismisses it until one of his customers begins speaking in tongues and fatally throws herself down a flight of stairs. And Karen's surgeon attempts to cut his own hand rather than excise her tumor. Erskine finally seeks help from another fortune teller, Amelia Crusoe, and her husband, to try to learn the cause of these supernatural events. When Karen's tumor gets larger, uh, Snow speculates that within her tumor lives vengeful 400-year-old Indian spirit. Erskine then travels to South Dakota to enlist the aid of Indian medicine man John Singing Rock to force the evil spirit out of Karen and back where it became. Okay, if you don't think you need some herbal enhancement for this movie? Trust me, you don't. Because that's wild enough. Or you just go with it. That's going to be my advice to everyone who's saying the Manitou, Grizzly, or whatever film of Girdlers are showing. Just go with it. You'll like it. Oh, absolutely. And and, and I want to end up with something. I've got to get to it here. Just give me a second. Um, but this is a quote from Girdler himself. Okay, and give me a moment. This will take a moment or two. But, but you know, uh, to follow, follow up while I'm getting this together here, um, the interesting thing is that you've got someone who, who who's unique. And let's not forget that from 1972 to 1978, in seven years, basically, he did nine films. I mean, seriously. This guy worked and worked and worked and worked. And that's what I want to talk about here. So this is a quote from Girdler himself. Okay? I love making movies so much that hard work doesn't bother me. I work 12 hours a day, seven days a week. Some days I'm so excited about what we're doing I can't get the weight out of bed next morning and start again. If I were an attorney or running a factory, I'd probably die or spend all my time on a golf course. I would have been miserable and ended up an alcoholic by the time I was 30. <clears throat> That's a quote from an a interview he had with the Louisville Times in 1977. But the man worked. He had... See, I talked about energy about the Manitou. He had that energy. He gave that energy to film. 
And that's the great thing about William Girdler. So I'm done, you know, trumpeting my love of Girdler. Uh, but go ahead, Stephen. Finish up. Okay. And we're wondering, a lot of you who don't know the story are wondering why did he only work until 78? Well, the Philippine movie that he did that we haven't seen, he did such a good job that he got together with, uh, what's his name, Tony Anthony, who did uh, Treasure of the Four Crowns. Mm-hmm. And they were working on a 3D process together, which pretty much, t- I think it's not confirmed, but it's pretty much known that it's the process that Tony Anthony used on Treasure of the Four Crowns coming at you and that other 3D movie he did. But right. he was telling locations for a film in the Philippines when there was an accident and his plane crashed and he died on impact. Yes. And he always, he said another thing is that his dad died when he was 50 uh, uh, and his granddad died when he was like in his 40s. And so he always said he wouldn't make it till 30. Well, guess what? He died three days after his 30th birthday. And he died before seeing how big of a success the Manitou was. Right. Right. And don't they say that? The candle that burns the brightest? Burns at both ends, yeah. Yeah, burns burns away the quickest. But. Do you think they might be a James Dean type thing for our love? I'm talking to fans, me and you two, our love of Girdler, that were willing well, to excuse I, I some think, stuff that we would condemn filmmakers that still lived for doing no, because uh, he died so young? No, I don't think that, but I do think that... that there are more people than you and I, and there are more people that love these films and have uh, been introduced to him and 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 uh, uh, his um, whole effort and 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 is has grown over the years and his fan base has grown. So you know, I do believe that, and the reason for that is that the films, if they're not the most technical, the most great films in the world, they're there's something so unique about them. And that's what makes Girdler, to me, a, a really fine uh, B-movie director. Because you could tell it's him. Trust me, you can. With maybe the exception yeah. of Shiba Baby. Yeah. Well, look at how great the shots are to Forest and everything are in Grizzly. Oh, my God. And look what he did at the end of the Manitou, man. Him and Dykstra. Oh, yeah. It's like you're stepping from a semi-normal movie, and then you open that door and you're stepping into, like you said, 2001 on acid. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and the video game version of 2001 on acid. Because yeah. let's face it, the budget was only three million. And I can't believe that Tony Curtis let Girdler set one of his uh, toupees on fire and let him take it off on the floor and stomp on it. <laughs> he could talk you into anything, from what I understand. And people loved him. Yeah. So, you know, and and, and, also, and again, I will say this, you know, the, <clears throat> the 70s were a bit of a fallow period for Tony Curtis, but damn, he's wonderful in this. He's just wonderful. And he's having a blast, and you can tell he's having a blast. Yeah. So there you go. And I will say this, that line from from the Indian guy and the Manitou is only number two. Number one comes from El Pachuco, and can you guess what movie it is? It's one of your favorites. Uh, oh, um, just tell me. I'm, I'm, I'm a little... Oh, yeah, Wolfen, yes. Do you transmogrify? Yeah. How? I fuck like a rabbit, drink like a fish. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's, that's just point. how they're starting with this uh, three film, well, as of now, two film Girdler Fest. Well, hopefully and, they'll, they'll pick one of the others. You know. Yeah. Oh, they will. I said before and I said it again, I would not want to be William during this month. Nope. Yeah. Well, he I, looks like some, by Sunday of the fest, my man looks like something out of a George Romero zombie film. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm positive of that. Yeah. No question. And thank All you right. for being on. And tomorrow night, this is this is a double irony. Carl is going to be live, right? Yes. Talking about live shows. Actually, no. That 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 is going to happen sometime this week. Actually, we're not sure when. But but we have some other things on on DLN. But uh, uh, what's going on with you? What are you doing? What do you have up this week? Uh, well, I'll be doing uh, the intro show with uh, uh, the new guy here. I forget his name right now because I'm old and senile. But, yeah, he'll be on with his first show. And next Sunday will be the start of Halloween season with SOV Horror Film. And I've got two two sort of younglings who make SOV Horror Films. Zombelina, who just come out with her own thing called Zombelina's House 
of horror spelled W-H-O-R, like whore. And uh, a guy out of that comes from Kentucky, but he's in New York now, called Gorfine, who makes his own sh- short gore films. Cool. And that one cool. Zombelina I'm telling you about, they fix, they do the whole te- DVD, and not like an anthology, right. but like you're watching a late night TV horror host show. <laughs> With trailers, fake commercials, and the whole nine yards. Oh, nice. That's fun. That sounds yeah. like fun. And cool. later in the month, we're going to be doing, as usual, yes, we're going to be doing the stories again this year. Why? Oh, God. It's just so goddamn much fun to listen to and all that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this is not a tendril. And later this month, well, the Halloween special this year will be the best sequel to Night of the Living Dead and the best film set in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. Which would be Return of the Living Dead. Well, of course you're doing Return of the Living Dead. That makes sense. Well, that's the only one we haven't touched mm-hmm. on this show, period. Right. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to figure out what we're doing in October. Things have been a little uh, up in the air with, with DLN simply because of my situation and trying to get my feet on the ground here in the city. We've had some things. We do have... Uh, Doc is presently doing the show as we're on the on on, on the air here, uh, and I will be talking about concerts we'll here in the next week. Ramp? Yeah, I would think so. I would think so. Good, because he's got to keep his rep up, man. Because your rep is more important than anything in this world. Okay, inside joke. Never mind. Move on. Uh, and this uh, and this Friday. Uh, Adam is going to come on uh, with his second show, uh, and uh, uh, and that's the Cathode Ray Mission, and we'll be talking about Babylon Five, the uh, uh, cult sci-fi show, which is uh, one of his favorite shows, and uh, we uh, probably going to have Bill uh, Reynolds as a guest for that, and yeah. uh, Bill is. Uh, uh, a great aficionado of, of the show. So we're going to be doing that on yeah. Friday. And uh, for lead we'll... into your live show, which you're probably doing later sometime this week, here is the biggest bitch of a question, and uh, Peter Frampton asked this. Okay. He's like, how do you top your biggest hit album if your biggest hit album is you live? Uh, do a do a live concert when you're dead. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I mean, there's so many bands from the '70s, like let's see, Kiss, Peter Frampton, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Seger. Oh yeah. 
Dr. Best, that, oh, Thin Lizzy, I love all their stuff, but their biggest selling album is still live and uh, is their live album. Right. <laughs> Which means, you young folks, our live music was a lot better than yours. Fuck you. <laughs> all right, oh, you man. Know it I, was. I know, I know, I know. You know, and, and certainly I love uh, throwing the concerts, and we'll be talking a lot about that. Um, and that'll be this week, but not set in stone yet. Uh, Doc was down at the uh, uh, drive-in fest, so we had to reschedule things. So there yeah. you go. What's this show he doing about? Uh, just basically a recap of what's been going on with him. And and, and and the uh, drive-in fest. Uh, and that's, that's what he's doing tonight. <laughs> okay. All right, Stephen, I gotta go because I okay, nice. I know you got. I know you and Doc gotta go to a repertory. No, 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 no. Actually, it's it's because uh, I'm like a wind-up toy, and it's winding down because. I did a service last night, and then I was up at 5.30 this morning, and yeah, I haven't I know. even taken yeah, my afternoon It's time in. to go anyway. And, Carl, thank you for representing your 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 podcast channel. Well, you know, I, I, I'm always glad to, to be here, and, 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 you know, you and I go back a long way, so I'm, I'm always glad to be on your show, Stephen. Okay. So not a problem. Okay, see you and later. And thank you very much. Okay, good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Good night.